Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the FXR Racing Race Tech Suspension Privateer Island Life Podcast. Love doing these. And uh, this one is number 156. And it's with Scotty Winnerstrom, a uh, longtime privateer in the sport. Um, you remember, you read Cowie, rode a Suzuki for a little bit, uh, number 501 out there in your program, number one in your heart. So I catch up with Scotty to talk about his Supercross year and, and how he makes a living and what he does for um, an off-season job and much more here on the on the podcast. Thanks to the folks at FXR Racing for making this podcast happen. Uh, Filthy Phil Nicoletti, Mike Brown, some guy named Chris Kiefer, all wearing FXR Racing gear. Club MX guys, March Banks doing a good job with his FXR Racing as well. So thanks to those guys for coming on board. Thank you to Race Tech. Give your bikes some love, motor work, suspension work. And then save with Race Tech. Tell them you listen to Pulp. They'll dial you in. Uh, get the right spring rates for your bike. Get your motor done. Rebuild your motor. Two-stroke, four-stroke, vintage stuff. They can handle it, man. Thanks to the folks at Race Tech as well as thank you to Namira Pistons. Thank you to Max's Tires, Firepower Parts and Oil, and the folks at Roost MX all on board with us as well for this podcast. Uh, really, really thank those companies for coming on board and supporting the uh, podcast, supporting the privateers as well. All of those companies, whether it's Maxis and the SGB Cowie team, whether it's Roost MX with Troll Train, whether it's Firepower Parts with Cade Clayson and A-Ray and a bunch of other people, whether it's Nomira Pistons, they all help out privateers, man. And uh, so it's really cool to have them on board the show. And it's nice to you people to listen and thank you to, of course, to Race Tech and FXR for the support as well. Like catching up with guys like Scotty that I don't really know at all and I've uh, never really talked to. It's always interesting to get their story. So thanks for listening. Here's me and Scotty Winnerstrom talking about the Supercross, fitness, and other stuff. And now, as promised, on the Privateer Island podcast by the folks at FXR and Race Tech, it's a longtime Privateer Supercross motocross. Scotty Winnerstrom, what's up, man? How are you? Good, man. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for doing this. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. No worries. Trying to stay cool in Texas, as last week was our first week of what I would call a summer. Oh, dude, it's it's hit here in Vegas. Trust me, it it, it it's gnarly now. So it'll be that way for a couple of months, right? Yeah. Um, Until maybe end of September. What's going maybe on with you since Supercross is over? What uh, what's been happening? Um, still been riding. Uh, still kind of do my normal thing. I, just, I don't do the outdoors, mm-hmm. but um. Motocross schools, coaching riders. I have a white, or I have a uh, a gym that I own with my wife, and we are personal trainers, and we run clients out of that. And that's kind of been my summer deal for the past six, seven years. So gyms are open now. Were you guys struggling for a while with that? How was well, that? Well, everything's open in Texas. That's but, true. Uh, You're right. Yeah, Texas is normal. Um, we had it in town for a couple years, uh-huh. and then. March 2020, which that was our best month ever. So we were building it and building it. It was getting <laughs> yeah. better and better. And then we had to shut it down. And then we were just closed for a couple months. We actually opened up right before we all went to Utah for the month mm-hmm. to finish CP. And then uh, it kind of steadily, some of the effects of COVID kind of lingered. You know, it took a little bit. So yeah. Our business kind of started going, dropping off, dropping off, dropping off. So our lease was up at our building we were renting in downtown Jefferson, where I live. Where's that? In, uh, in, where's that, Jefferson? So about three hours east of Dallas. Oh, okay. All right. You know where Texarkana is? Yes. Hour south. Okay. All right. So you're so an hour, hour off, the, Shreveport, off the 40 or whatever. Uh, I'm 10. 30 minutes north of 20. Yeah, 20. Okay. Got it. So... So our lease was up at our building we were renting, and we moved into our garage, so we downscaled a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, since COVID, you know, so much part of the gym thing is like uh, we're not like an open gym where you just come in and do your own workout on your own, like a Planet Fitness or anything like that. Like, yep. you're, you're there to be – you're by appointment to be trained by either me or my wife. Yep, okay. So everyone pays a little more, but they get also a little more attention for sure. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, it's one of the first things to go when people are unsure about finances and the economy and what's going on in the world. So it's not like our, their phone bill or their electric bill. So we're, we're probably one of the first things to get cut out. So it dropped off. So once our lease was up, we moved out of there and we're in our garage. And while it slowed down, my mm-hmm. motocross and my coaching that I do and the, I do group schools all around the Texas area, that has picked up since COVID. So I'm actually even doing kind of putting more of my time into that versus I kind of had it split. I was like Mm -hmm. half motocross, half our gym, trying to get it built up, 
because I kind of wanted to be built up where I had a few trainers underneath me that used our facility. So I could kind of step away a little bit more and, and still focus more on my racing and my motocross coaching. But since COVID, it's kind of been rough with that. So I've, uh, motocross has been calling more for even not when I'm racing <laughs> supercross. So I'm putting more to it. Plus for me, I mean, I would rather, I would rather be at the dirt bike track or more related, which even having a gym is still closely related to, related to racing being you have to be in decent shape to try yeah. to do worth a damn especially at supercross level so it's all all related but uh i'd rather be at the track than in the gym <laughs> yeah yeah really right um yeah my wife's my wife was doing really well with some personal training here in vegas at a gym and then covid hit and and you know she's trying to struggle to, to get back into the groove of things and yeah really a lot of people, I guess, were like that, right? I mean, you have these people that are addicted to fitness, addicted to going to the gym and working out, and that's a good thing. But man, once it once it ends, uh, generally it's a good thing. Uh, and once it ends, yeah, you got to get back into that routine, right? So, um, your wife's a, yep. a, fit, a personal trainer too. So, how did you guys get into this love of of, of fitness, let's say, and, and love of working out and being healthy and all that kind of stuff? Was it has it always been there for you? Or was there something that triggered it, and then and then you? You know, you read up on it and you got you got some knowledge about it, so you decided to go into this personal training business. How did that kind of come about? Everything stems from motocross. Yeah. So that's how I met my wife. Um, my dad uh, has always run heavy equipment, and then for about ten years, probably starting like two thousand three, uh, two thousand three for like ten from there on for like till like two thousand eleven, two thousand twelve, he just primarily built motocross tracks. Yep. And uh, he built a lot of the tracks that are in Texas now, whether they're public tracks or private tracks. And then he uh, he ran Oak Hill. Um, he ran it when I was a little kid, like on 60s. And he like did everything, like kind of ran it uh, with a gentleman named Kevin Huff. They were kind of partners in it for a little bit. And then he actually went back to Oak Hill when Craig Martin was the manager there. Mm-hmm. And he just did all the track work there. So my dad's always run heavy equipment and stuff. Well, my now father-in-law called my dad to build them a motocross track at his property in Jefferson, Texas. Okay. So my dad went out there, built the track, and uh, he was like, all right, cool, man. So my father-in-law raced back in the day, like 25, 30 years ago, and then quit, and it was just working all the time and all that. And then uh, in the town of Jefferson where we live, like the biggest vintage bike race in the country, you've probably heard of it, Diamond Dawn. Diamond Dawn, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's five miles from my house. Oh, now okay. I live in Jefferson. So the property that my dad came out and built that track on, uh, it was just like a little beginner-style track. You know, it was like my father-in-law now, my wife now, and uh, two of her brothers were like, they're all getting into riding. And Lance, my father-in-law, asked my dad, he's like, hey, we need someone to, like, help us, like, ride. Yeah, yeah. Like, and my dad's like, well, my son is a pro. So this was 2009. So this was after my first year I ever did some 250 West Coast Supercross. So I've been A for a few years and just finally got enough money together where I could go do some West Coast races. So he's like, my dad's like, yeah, he'll, he trains riders and coaches kids and stuff. So, yeah, I give him a call. So I was coaching my now father-in-law, my now wife, yeah. and I guess my wife was hot for teacher. So that's how <laughs> that started. Yeah, yeah. And uh- then um, she was in college and kind of just – she kind of only did the motocross thing for a little bit and then kind of got out of it. And, uh, she was in college and I was always working out for racing and stuff, you know, cause I was trying to do supercross as much as I could and get support to go race. And, uh, she kind of was like, man, I kind of, I need to do something. She's like, I gained a little bit of weight, you know, kind of mm-hmm. like a lot of people do when they start in college and kind of get out of their parents' house because yep. we were living in an apartment together. So I told her, I was like, Hey dude, if you want to, if you want to, lose some weight and be healthier. I said, go run. You can do it anywhere, anytime. Yeah. All you need is shoes. It's like bang for your buck workout. Just go run. And she started running and then got into it. And now she races marathons. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then, um, she actually qualified for the Boston marathon when we were in San Diego last time, 2020, she was in Phoenix and she qualified for the Boston marathon. Oh, awesome. Like a 740-minute mile for 26 miles. Pretty crazy. Yeah, for, that's awesome. She couldn't She couldn't run one mile when I met her. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so she got all into running and that on her own, and then she kind of just started working out with some of her friends. And then 
she was like, dude, I'm good at this and I like doing this. And then I have some knowledge and that's kind of stuff from my own training and helping riders I coach and stuff like that. So she's like, let's, I'm going to be a personal trainer. So she was going to college for some other things and she dropped that. And, uh, we opened up our own little gym here in Jefferson 2015. Oh, cool. So what percent of your income comes from the gym, comes from coaching and, and training and comes from, you know, night shows of supercosses? Uh, right now, probably a third, a third to half from the gym. Eh, yeah. Probably when the gym was doing good, it was yeah. probably half and half. Okay. And yep. then now the gym's not quite as much, but I've been making more coaching riders. And then every year I seem to be just getting more support for Supercross and stuff like that. And uh, I've been doing a little better on the income wise with just the racing part, not a let, let alone the coaching part too. So. Probably a th- right now with the gym being a little downsized, it's probably a third. Okay, so all right. and so, but, uh, not, oh, sorry, yeah. when you train people, um, how much do you? Obviously, you're coming from a motocross background, and that's kind of what you know and everything. But some people just want to lift weights. Some people want to get stronger, right? Uh, yeah, and, and, and yeah. you know that's not something necessarily that you need for moto. Um, yeah. Um, where do you where do you find yourself on the strength training versus uh, cardio? It depends on the person and their goals. Like uh, some people just want to lose weight. Some people want just to be healthier. Some people want to gain weight, stuff like that. Like like I have a, a guy I'm working with right now that uh, he wants to gain a little weight. He's got like a fat, fast metabolism like me, kind of like you can you know eat 9,000 calories in a day and yeah. you, know, you stay the same. So, uh, but for him, like for example, his uh, cardio is pretty – pretty not on par with how i would like to have it okay. and i gotta i gotta work in some cardio so he can get the most out of his weightlifting sessions if that makes sense yeah you, you think somebody with a metabolism could hold their own at cardio just to start right but I guess yeah. yeah and he's gotten a lot better but yeah. he went from not working out at all and he's right. like all right i just want to i want to gain muscle and get bigger yep and i'm like all right but we got to kind of get you a fitness base like mm-hmm. you need to be able to get through these strength training exercises without being out of breath when you shouldn't be mm-hmm and it would also help with the recovery too when you're, you know, obviously when you strength train, you tear your muscles down mm-hmm. and then to help them rebuild when you're in better shape, you, you can get results faster. That's just like you could be Lance Armstrong or whoever great in great shape. And if you don't ever ride motocross, you go out and do it. You're going to get tired. Yeah. Yeah. But I, somebody like that, yep. that's in great shape. If they started riding motocross all the time, they would get in good shape on the dirt bike faster. Right. I believe when it comes to training the motorcycle, and look, uh, uh, Alden Baker's results are, they speak for themselves, whatever they're doing down there, and I kind of have an idea over the years. I don't know if they ride their motorcycles enough. You know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, look, again, they, 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 I think the, 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 the strength of that program is three or four of the world's best riders pushing themselves on a bike ride, pushing themselves on a Wednesday, pushing themselves on a Thursday, you know what I mean, motos. That's where the secret sauce is in that program. I uh, I'm more of the Nick Way Tim Ferry type of uh, philosophy where nothing, you know, you race dirt bikes for a living, and you know you need to do the off the bike stuff. But I don't know these some of these guys now, man. They, they like they're 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 ready for the tour. You know what I mean? And I just yeah, think, yeah. I think you got to ride a dirt bike more to to get in better shape to ride dirt bikes. That's just me. I agree with that. Well, for one, for me, I have more enjoyment riding the dirt bike. Right. So I would like to do that more so anyway but i really like cycling like i like to road bike Mm -hmm. not even just for like the fitness thing almost just the mental thing like i can just go out i don't answer my phone right you know i'm i like to do it by myself that's like my away time from the world so i do like that and i think people you know say you're like a tomac or a roxon or a top level guy that maybe that's like a stress release for you oh when you're doing you know like a base ride yeah you're not out there you know, heart rate through the max. Right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to go against, you know, Alden and what yeah. he's done and stuff. And it might be, I mean, you've, I mean, you've been there before. I've never been there, but it might be maybe a little different. I mean, you think every person's different. Some guys might do better riding the dirt bike more. Some guys yeah. might not. Yep. No, absolutely. So, and I think it depends on how old you are. Um, you know, the, the I got like, uh, you know, Alex Martin was there and he was older and he was like, man, I'm burnt out. Like I'm too, I can't recover. You know, there's too much yeah. work. I need to I need rest. And, 
Alex Martin at 29 isn't doing the isn't feeling the exact same thing as a Styles Robertson at, at 19, yep. 20, right? Um, yeah. So that's the part where that program I don't know if it's cut out for everybody. I you know, and I think each person needs a different thing as as you've learned as you know with this guy, you know, the non motorcycle guy that's trying to get into weightlifting. Everybody's different, right? Yep. Yeah, you got to kind of read everybody and kind of see what works. Try right. to keep some logs and stuff like that, so you can go back and be like, "Hey, man, this worked well for you." Yeah, yeah. And if you get to a spot where you're struggling, yep, you try to figure out why. Yeah, and, so and the mental re- reset that you speak of, I can definitely vouch for that. I've been e-biking a lot, and yeah, sometimes I don't even have a very good ride. I'm not. My legs are tired. I'm not into it. But you know what? I still go, and I just you know the great thing about an e-bike is is you can put it on the middle mode. Let's say. And let yep. the bike do some of the work, and then uh, just kind of unplug a little bit, and yeah, enjoy yourself. You know, no, don't look at your phone and all that kind of stuff. So there's definitely a mental health aspect of exercise. Yeah, definitely. That's oh. I think uh, a big thing with when COVID, when we had the quarantine crap, and it was like lockdown, everybody was scared about it. Like a lot of people were like, just they couldn't get motivated, and like the depression set in, and that was hard on people. Oh yeah, you know more so than. A lot of uh, a lot of the other things that factored in for COVID and the shutdown and whatnot. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I want to thank the folks at FXR. You were FXR, don't you? Yep, FXR. Yeah. I've been FXR for three years now. Been race tech for four. So I'm like the guy for this podcast. Yeah, really, right? Nice, nice. Uh, <laughs> that that worked out nicely. Thanks to FXR, their motocross and off-road gear has become an industry standard among both amateur and pro ranks. With their ever-evolving gear lines to provide quality, durability, and the same time extreme comfort, it's no doubt that FXR is the number one choice for guys like Mike Brown, Chris Kiefer, Phil Nicoletti, Scotty Wernstrom, just to name a few. Go to FXRRacing.com to check it out. Thanks to those guys. Uh, I'm sure they do a good job with supplying you with everything you need, Scotty. So um, Yeah, FXR has been great, Andy and Brad. And... Uh Love the gear, love the look, love the colorway. Love gear the looks fit. good. Yeah, gear looks good. Yeah, man. it looks really good. They, they've it's come a... so far in like, so they're a Canadian company, and I'm Canadian. Yeah, I know these guys for a long time, and man, the last four or five years they have taken such a step up. It's really good looking. Yep, stuff. I remember eh, probably 2015, like a Ray. Few guys were wearing it. Yeah, don't look nothing like it does now. So I remember. I was wearing this gear from Italy called Corax. I've never heard of that. Okay. And, uh, uh, only me and Ozzy Barbary were the only people wearing it. You know, Ozzy, you did that thing with yeah. Southwick, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and I remember, I think I was in Detroit and a Ray was sitting next to me and he's like, why do you wear that gear? And he was like talking about my gear and I was like, Oh, I like it, dude. It's, it, yeah. you know, it's different. And right. he was wearing FXR and that was when FXR was just kind of breaking in. I think to some super guys, guys, I looked at him, I was like, well, you wear snowmobile gear. What do you do with that in the summer? <laughs> good one. Good comeback. And he's just like, yeah. Oh, I don't know, man. <laughs> right. Yeah. A Ray. I mean, so. it's not hard to, to get A Ray in a battle of wits. I mean, you you know, you can cover him pretty easily, pretty quickly. Um, yeah. Love dude, the guy. That dude is like come a long way. Like, oh, yeah. He's, he's right. Dude, that's awesome. Because I remember when I first met him, he was nowhere near where he is now. No. Uh, and props he, to him. He, yeah. He bailed me out in a jam in Atlanta. Uh, my crank bearings went okay. on my bike on the biggest jump on the track, the last lap of the LCQ. Mm-hmm. So, and I only had one bike, and uh, I rented one of his spare engines oh. for Atlanta Atlanta 2 and oh, Atlanta 3. Oh, nice. Oh, that's cool. So, God, you must, funny have, story. you must have been scared to death to put one of his old motors in. No, uh, because first person I went to when I my bike went down, I, was, I went to uh, his mechanic, Mike. Yeah. Because I'm like, dude, he knows everything that's been broke on these bikes. Yeah, He's good fixed point. it all. Yeah, good point. So I go to him, and I oil, and the oil had metal flakes in it and stuff. God, it's a crank. Just the way it, the way it reacted and stuff. Yeah. You know, it's, it'd fire up, but it would rev down real quick when you let off the throttle. Yep. And he's like, dude, Alex has got an engine. And funny story, my race bike from 2019, I sold to some guy. Actually, Bubba Polly had it. Had it. Okay. He had it after Supercross. And he sold it to some guy up by his way for me. I guess the guy only rode it one time, and then A-Ray's dad bought it from that guy. Oh, For shit. a parts bike. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Mike was like, we got the Winterstrom motor in there. That's what they call it. It's <laughs> one of A-Ray's spare motors. <laughs> and he's like, I bet A-Ray let you use it. So I'm like, A-Ray, can I rent my old engine from you right. for at least, at least the Tuesday race, maybe the third or the Saturday race, too? Yeah. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, how much for one race? How much for two? I'm like, oh, do two. He's like, 
pay the rest of my Airbnb. I owe. I'm like, all right, sweet. Yeah. Thank you. So <laughs> I ripped my engine out and Mike took it apart for me. So it was ready for my guy in Texas, Mirka Lucci, to fix it up before we drove to Utah the next day. And mm-hmm. I used A-Ray's engine. And yeah, every, yeah, people were like, oh, dude. This is just so, such an, A-Ray's bike. Such an island story. Such a privateer island yeah. story. Pay the rest of my like, Airbnb and I'll give you my motor. And it's, yeah. just, it's awesome. But I'm very more rocks and like like shift up yeah don't over rev so i'm like the opposite of a race yeah so i was like here's your engine back after uh the second third atlanta yep and i was like here dude it's just broken it's good to go right mike's like mikey was like dude i promise it's good full rebuild full crank top of everything it's all new in there you'll be good and it was fun yeah it's just like the last time i raced it in 2019 (laughs) right right no that's awesome Uh, thanks to the folks at Race Tech. Pulp 21 is the code to save with those guys. Get your motor work done there. Uh, get, get suspension work done. Racetech.com. I want to thank the folks at Firepower, Firepower Parts. Uh, they've got oil now as well. Uh, they've got chains. they got batteries. Firepowerparts.com. A lot of privateers using Firepower. Thanks to Roost MX, Maxxis Tires, Namira Pistons as well, all on board this podcast. Um, Namira Pistons since 2001. Namira has been supplying factory-level pistons and gaskets. For every make and model, from two wheels to four, from weekend warriors to top athletes, Namira's advanced piston tech has increased engine performance and reliability without increasing your budget. Follow them on Instagram for giveaways and stuff, or on Namira.com to see the latest in news and application updates. So, thanks to those guys. Um, so, how close did you get to a main this year? What was your best race? Um, honestly, in the races, I never had... Nothing too spectacular happened. I was never what I would want to call close. Right? Is that frustrating um, for you? Or how are you doing with that? Like, do you, how do you how do you yeah. uh, how do you maintain your sanity? Yeah, I mean, I've been doing this for a long time, and I've right. never made a main. But I've primarily raced the 450 class, which obviously is tougher. But you can also, you know, have a stock engine and yeah, actually make some money uh, for qualifying for the for the night show. Versus the 250 class. So, mm-hmm. like I said, in 2009, I did a handful of West Coast 250 races. And ever since then, I've raced a 450. Yep. Um, but, yeah, it's tough. Part of it just starts. And a lot of it is there's times where I watch the heat race and they'll see, or the heat race on TV. And I got a good start. I, like, rip past all the guys around me. Mm-hmm. But my gate pick is pretty far out. So, by the time we get out of the first turn, I'm pushed into the tough box. And, you know, I'm in 17th. Yeah. Yeah, it, and it starts from the beginning of the day, doesn't it? From the very first yeah, practice. Yeah, and it's <laughs> it's so and it's really tough to get from seventeenth to top nine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then even if you get up there, you got to get a decent one, so you get you know a good gate pick for the LCQ and whatnot. But uh, yeah, part of my problem is I have a Supercross track at my house, and that's awesome. But there's nobody around me that rides Supercross, so. You said like that, you know, with like the Baker guys, you know, they're out there riding and pushing each other and learning from each other and stuff like that. I kind of don't have that. Uh, like I've had John Short come ride with me a few times. Ozzy Barber used to ride with me quite a bit when he raced because he's just up the road in Arkansas. Okay. He didn't have much to ride, and what my track was one of the closest ones to him. And uh, Cody Gilmore's been, Ben LeMay, a few guys, obviously Bubba and Juwan when I was on their on their program yep. uh, the past two years. But – uh and then, like, this year, just with, like, work and stuff, I the only time I rode another Supercross track besides my own was at the races. Yeah. So, like, I feel like this year I was kind of slow at getting the tracks dialed in. Not all of them, but some of them. And, uh, like, man, it's like, man, I didn't get the track figured out till like, halfway through the LCQ. Right, <laughs> It's right. way too late. Yeah, yeah, so, absolutely. So, a guy so like gonna, you. Try to work on that for next year. Yeah, absolutely. So, a guy like you, you know, the LC, I, I've, I've – given this speech to so many 250 guys about, you know, hey, get the 450s and start making money. Um, because, you know, 10th place in an LCQ is, uh, I don't know, 600 bucks, 800 bucks, uh, something like that. Um, so you can... you can, On a 450? Yeah. No. 10th place in LCQ is probably 11 to 12. Okay, yeah. So, exactly. Um, you can actually do okay. So a guy like you doesn't make any mains. Um, you know, you're a true privateer financially how is it for you like are you i don't i don't think you're making money or are you are you keeping track and you're you know you're staying with buddies you're crashing in your couch or whatever the deal is like how much can you how close can you come to actually making money i make money for a couple reasons for one i'm very frugal 
So, for example, like Chiz Frugal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's Not Wygant Frugal. Yeah, that's next level, right? Um, but yeah, I would say yeah, probably Chiz. So, in Atlanta, uh, my mechanic lived. A buddy of mine, Dane, that uh, helps me out at some of the East Coast races. He lives the north side of downtown Atlanta, so he's like 20 minutes north of the stadium. Yep. And I could have went and stayed at his house. But I stayed at the Speedway. I was by myself in Atlanta. Um, Dane would come. He, you know, he works during the week and whatnot. So he would come for the races and then go back home. I stayed in it at the Speedway in my van. You know, yeah. kind of naggy style, but I'm yeah. not not that full on because right next to my bike in the garages there was a shower and a bathroom. Really? And, and those are in there the, was in those garages there. Oh, yeah, wow, yeah. That's cool. So yeah. I was like, man, I'm set up. So the whole 10 days I was in Atlanta, I only got a hotel the night before the last race, and I just got a cheap $60 one. Why'd you do that? So just I, just to like splurge. Just to, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, just yeah. Just cuz I was like just sleep what in would, a bed, not not you, my van. What would you do? <laughs> On the days off at the speedway by yourself, what the hell are you doing? Well, there was always there's other riders there staying in motorhomes. Okay, and you know, day before the race, there was stuff going on, and I was supposed to go ride at Matt Walker's a few days because he was letting privateers ride their supercross track for free, but my crank went out right. at the first Atlanta, so I wasn't going to go put motos on a Ray's engine. Yeah, yeah. So, and I was looking forward to go riding a different practice track. That'll be sweet. That'd be good for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, something. So uh, I, I road biked. There's okay. some good road biking roads, roads around there. I road biked every day. Yep. I went mountain biking one day, but the trails I went to were pretty shitty. Yeah. And uh, no, I just hung out. Like, ah, like Stank Dog was there a lot. There was people hanging okay. out there. Mechanics were coming in. Like, so you there know, was the stuff SGD to do. Team was yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was very rarely ever by myself. Oh, nice. Even though I was there by myself, so. Yeah, stuff like that. So I save money, and I got friends. And I know people all over the place. Yep, just yep. from racing over the years and stuff. And right. And then I got I like I've worked my way up where I've got good support now. So like for instance, the past two years, like all of my racing has been paid for, and so everything I make is profit. Okay. So while well, yeah, I'm not banking, you know, Cowie, Cowie continuously too. Dollars. Yeah, Cowie continuously. Yeah, right. FXR stuff, right? Yep. I mean. Yeah, so I got a bunch of good sponsors, and obviously that helps. Without those guys, it, it doesn't happen. But there's even years yeah. that I didn't quite have my whole season covered. Mm -hmm. I would just pay for it at the end, you know. Like, yep. I, I work too, you know. Yeah, yeah. So no, I know that's yeah, why I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out how a guy like you like that's awesome that you can make some money and you're racing your dirt bike, yeah. and then you have your training and you have your uh, motocross teaching, you know, on the side too. Yeah. So. Yeah, and like, I mean. I know there's a few guys I think that probably race Supercross and kind of have some sort of job or a gig they do as well. Like I know, I know in the outdoors a couple of years ago, Lemay was getting top twenty and working, yeah. delivering monster yeah, during was, the week. You know what I mean? Right. No, absolutely. Uh, but, and I think like, like I would kind of like to race the two fifty. For one, the coast is split, so you know you're not. Yeah, you're, you're, to race. you're coming closer Obviously, to the main or you're in the mains. Yeah. yeah. Yep. There's guys that make the mains on a 250, and then I race them the next coast on a 450, and they don't make the night show. Yeah. You know? And the 450 is tough, and 250 is tough too, obviously, but what makes it tough is what it costs to go do it, and I don't ever have the budget to do that. You know, I have the budget to get to all 17 Supercrosses and that and do a 450 and, you know, run a – stock engine and just have you know suspension and little knickknack stuff but i would like to ride a 250 because i'm a littler guy i'm only 150 pounds and i just you know it would be good to be you would be i'd be a little more competitive probably just because mm -hmm. you know the coasts are split but man i gotta make money like i'm an adult yeah. i got a wife oh, i yeah. got a five-year-old 250 so oh you got you got a kid I, I did not know this oh yeah yeah, yeah we have a five-year-old right so i I don't know, man. Like, I just don't. I guess some of these guys don't have to make money. <laughs> yeah, it's... so that's why they ride the two fifty class. But yep, uh, like I don't. I would like if I was in a situation where I had endless support or whatever. Like that's great. But if you're, you know, a guy like me and you're working during the week as well, uh, you're gonna ride a four fifty. Yeah, and for oh, one, I agree. I, and I know guys that they just pick one coast. They just do East Coast, and I. You know, I do this because I love to, I love to race. Mm -hmm. 
So, especially racing Supercross, I mean, that's what, you know, you want to do from the time I was three years old. So if I ride the four feet class, I can race more too. Right. Yeah. Uh, no, it's a, it's a good thing. Um, you've been on Cowie for a number of years. Yeah. Why, why Cowie? What, uh, you got a dealer that helps you or, or obviously the, like we talked about the night show money, that's a two or 300 bucks. That, that, that's pretty good. But yeah, what's uh, what's a Cowie reason for you? I, yeah, I do have a dealership that uh, helps me out. Um, well, I was with, I was on Bubba, uh, Polly's part of his, I was his teammate on his program 2019 and 2020. But uh, for this year, though, uh, I got help from Jones Power Sports. They're out of Durant, Oklahoma. But uh, so, yeah, I can get the most support with from Cowie, whether it's, you know, getting help with some bikes or cheap, cheaper bikes. But and yeah, obviously they have great contingency and whatnot, but they're really good bikes. They, and they nowadays, yep. all the bikes are good. Yep. Like people harp on a Suzuki because you got to kick it. But <laughs> if you can't kickstart your bike, how the hell are you going to ride it? Yeah, it's fine. So, they're 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 yeah. good bikes. Yep, absolutely. And I run the Recluse Auto Clutch. I'm like the only guy in the 450 class that runs the Auto Clutch. Uh-huh. So you don't need electric start when you run that. Yeah. You know, if something happens in the race, it's no big deal. As long as my bike isn't upside down for more than 15 seconds <laughs> and the tip over sensor shuts it off. Yeah. It's going to be running. You'll be all I right. I just got to kick it before the gate gets But what I really like about the Kawasaki's is, and I know I've heard Kiefer talk about this, is the frame. The frame is a good balance of rigidity. It's not super stiff like mm-hmm. maybe the Honda, and it's but it doesn't flex too much. It's got a good frame, and that's, I would say, one of the least tunable parts of your bike is your frame. Yeah. Yep. So if you have the the best frame, whether you, you could switch out suspension components, you could put WP suspension on your Cowie, whatever you want to do, you know, I feel like that's the best place to start. Right. So the the Cowies are good bikes. Right. Um well how did you like riding for uh Bubba's team the last couple of years? Like you mentioned, uh we had Carnow in here uh a couple weeks ago for the show. And uh, he he stepped in there this year. Uh, what'd you what'd you think of that experience? Yeah, it was good. Um, pretty much, I uh, it kind of started with 2018. I didn't have a ton of support, and uh, I was kind of I kind of got hurt at the end of 2017. So I was kind of kind of rebuilding a little bit, and I only kind of had the support to do like half the races. So uh, I ended up talking to Bubba. I just about hey, I was like, hey man, I need a bike called to from Dallas to Tampa. I give you some money, you haul a bike. He's like, yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, he hauled my bike and, uh, it was him and Michael and Kaiden in oh, yeah. 2018. Yep. yep. And, uh, Michael got hurt and they were like, Hey man, we got your bike and stuff anyway. And Mikey's hurt. If you run, uh, run the TXS logo on your shroud and mm-hmm. stuff, like we'll give you your money back for hauling the bike. And, uh, you can just kind of fill in for Mikey. I was like, all right, cool. So I kind of did that, you know, and, Bubba got my bike to a couple races and then I, uh, I just pitted with him and kind of stayed with their deal. Like I had a different gear than them and whatnot, but, mm-hmm. uh, there, you know, it was all cool. And, um, I just kind of got talking to him about next year. I said, Hey dude, like I got a job, I have a gym, I got a wife and kid. Like I can't always just live in my van and drive around all these races. Yep. And I was like, what if I can bring some support to your program mm-hmm. and we can kind of do some stuff and, you know, I can kind of be part of your deal and I'll bring support and we all work together and everybody wins. So that's what we did. We started working and then I was with them for 2019, 2020, and we kind of, kind of combined our resources. Yeah. And, um, and then it was all good. And then, uh, after Utah, I think, uh, it was one of his bigger sponsors now. There's a training facility, uh, double Eagle MX mm-hmm. that uh, they were staying at. I think they came on board with him a little, a, a more of a, a bigger support for him. Right. And I think they were more want, kind of wanting a guy that could be up there and train there and ride there. And that guy isn't me because I got a wife and family. Yeah. Yeah. And your, your deal's all my, your deal's all my stuff in Texas. Right. So uh, Bubba was kind of like, yeah, man, we're going to have to go kind of separate ways. But I me, mean, it was no, it's not a big deal. No hard feelings and stuff. And, yeah. you know, he's like, you know, all the team sponsors are your sponsors and stuff. And like, I kept almost, most of the sponsors we had, I continued on with relationships I met through Bubba for 2021. And I know I brought brought some stuff to Bubba's program through mm-hmm. me that he kept for 2021 as well. So uh, 
it was all good. But yeah, it was good. We had uh, we had fun and we we went to the races. So it was, yeah. can't really complain about that. Yeah, I was asking Carnell about it, you know, and he he went from uh, um, the PRMX guys to uh, to Bubba's team, and, and you know he he was. Um, he was pretty happy. He was pretty pretty happy with everything. You know, Bubba, privateer guy, scraping it together. But he's you know he's doing what he says he would do. He's honorable. He he says what he can't do. Um, you know what I mean? Like I admire that a little bit. Like in, in the industry where a lot of people fill you full of BS, it seems like Bubba's got a good program and he's trying his best and he's doing and he's helping out the guys that he can and he's not promising the world or anything. You know, so that's good. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that's why I think like you know. I mean, hell, I was parked next to those guys a lot this year and stuff. Even though I had, I was um, had my own little program that I was I've been doing. But uh, yeah, we had we had no we had no issues even when yeah. we kind of split ways and stuff because yeah, you know, like Bubba kind of put his ass out on the line for all of us and you know, and it was kind of my job to help bring support to the team and some funding, and I was able to do that. So we kind of both did what we what we told each other we were going to do. So yeah. you know. It was all good, so it still is. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Maxis Tires on board this podcast also. Thanks to uh, Chris and everybody down there at Maxis, whether it's mountain bike tires, uh, light truck tires, uh, uh, MXSTs developed by McGrath and used by the Maxis SGB guys out there. Speaking of A-Ray, uh, please check them out. Next time you need a tire, the Maxis guys will have something that works for you. Um, they've been in the tire business for a long time, and uh, yeah, man, I've got a set of my Mountain bike, I've got a set on my uh, truck. So, yeah, Maxis.com for more information. And Roost MX, Pulp Nation code saves you money at Roost MX. Uh, whether it's a 48-hour turnaround, uh, whether it's the high quality, whether it's the customer service, uh, Roost MX is great. Pulp Nation code saves you money. The, their official Cobra merch as well. Uh, so those guys do a great job. They, they were helping out the troll train until he crashed at Lakewood. But uh, they do a good job. Um, and, Scotty, you're, you're a berm lord guy. Lord of the Berm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. We, yes. we all know you and the pony. Big Berm yeah, Lord yeah. guys. Yeah, I, I think I was uh, Jamie's on his pony pod. I think I was his first pro rider he ever had on there. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah check I that think out. So. Yeah, yeah. So I've uh, been on there a few times. Right. So looking at your results, um, you got some national results way back in the day. Have you done any since then, or was that literally was 2011 the last time you rode a pro national? Uh, I did a few, but I didn't do any good. Okay. I, I yeah, 2011, I did all of them, but the last one, and it's part of the reason I don't do them now. <laughs> um, like, the Nationals are cool, and it's a lot of fun, but at the same time, it's costs more than Supercross, and it yeah. pays less than half. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, so, it's for me, yep. I'm like, man, like, for, like, what I, in 2011, like, I went to, uh, for years, Gus hauled my stuff for me. Yep. Team Gus. Yep. And uh man, there was times where Gus would go to the line with me, but I had no mechanic, no one, nothing. And I can do that at a supercross. But at an outdoor when you're changing filters and washing your bikes hammered after the first practice, like it was too much. And I got I ran my body down and got where I wasn't feeling good when I would go to the races on the weekends and the only races I did good, like Hangtown was where I did my best, and I actually broke a rib in practice. But uh -huh. I had support, as help and support there from Brian McCall. He's from up in that area. Like mm -hmm. he used to do all my suspension stuff when I was a kid. So he was my he was my guy at Hangtown 2011, and that was the best race I had all year, just because he kind of helped me out. And all the other races, it was like I was going there a lot of times, go line by myself and stuff, and it's just yeah, too much for one for. You can do it in Supercross, no big deal. But for outdoors, it's just harder on your bike, harder on your body. The temperatures are hotter and all that. And oh, it's it's at, gnarly. Yeah, it's yeah. And then yeah. at the end, you know that that outdoor series cost me money, and I was like, huh, you know. Yep. Yep. And uh, you know, if, if I was in a situation where money wasn't an issue and none of that, and I had mechanic and somebody there to, you know, kind of have my back at every round, great. I'd love to do them. Yeah, It'd be fun. Right. Uh, but for kind of economical wise for a privateer it's really not the best so for oh, yeah. me i got my gym and doing my motocross training and stuff in the summer and i'm still riding all the time like i rode i rode monday right and then um i can do that and that's actually got a little bit more of a future for me for when i've done racing supercross 
when you do the coaching, whether it's vet guy, do you, do you work with everybody, like maybe 60s to vets or whatever? What, yeah, everybody. What kind of stuff do you see happen all the time? Like, I'm a vet guy. What, 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 do, we, what do you see that we're not the average guy isn't doing right? Um, is there something that just you're like, oh, here we go. Here, here, here let me help you with this. And uh, right away you're going to notice, you know, some results. Uh, people don't ride on the balls of their feet. Right. Uh, I'm also guilty like, of that. Yep. Yeah. Eight to nine out of ten riders I coach don't do it. You know, there's a few that do it. And I think it's because – so when you ride on the balls of your feet, obviously you can pivot in your ankle. So you yeah. have extra suspension at the lowest point. And when you're riding like that, you can feel bumps and stuff on the track, which is a good thing. You have more feel. Mm -hmm. And when people are on their heels, they lose that feel. And I think they think they think they're more stable and sturdy by having stiffer ankles. But when shit starts getting bad underneath them on the track, they don't know it's happening until it's too late and they're on their head. Yeah. Yeah, you look so, at the bottom of my soles of my A stars, I guarantee you, right in the middle of the arch, it's, that's where. Do you wear out your soles pretty quick? No, like not really. I don't. I don't ride enough, Scotty, to wear out my soles. But yeah, and I ha and I have like five pairs of boots, so I'm not exactly. Yeah, you're good. You're dialed. Right, but 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 I, but I know. I, yeah, I know on my boots, I wear out the ankle support, like where they don't have any ankle support, where the leather's just like been moved so many times yep. and just worn to shit. Yep way before my heat my uh soles are worn out right because when you're on the balls of your feet you're lighter on your pegs oh for sure which is why yeah. your suspension works better yep. so if you ride on your heels all the time you're gonna be harder on those soles and you're gonna so when when people show me they're like yeah look at my boot and it's got a big <laughs> hole in it i'm like your feet are bad yeah 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 so so that's something you see all the time and you've seen yeah. results from like telling people hey keep your foot here keep your foot here yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. And then yeah. you can point your toes in, right. squeeze with your legs, because you don't got to worry about hitting your shifter or your yeah. brake pedal when you don't want to. Right. Are you? Do you travel much for that kind of stuff? Do people uh, hire you to, you know, other parts of Texas or whatever to, to do stools? A, a little bit, but yeah. not much. I usually kind of stay around, you know, because I have a supercross track, outdoor track at my house, and then because uh, so where that the property where my dad built the track for my father-in-law, mm -hmm. he's got fifty acres. Well, me and my wife were figuring out where we were going to move and what we want to do. And he was working overseas, like in Afghanistan and Iraq and Argentina and all kinds of places for like natural gas drilling. And he would be gone for a month, sometimes two months. And he's like, hey, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Before y'all try to get some sort of house or do whatever you're going to do, he goes, what if you build like a, a barnuminium, a shop house mm -hmm. on my property and we'll – and uh, Scotty can, you know, use the tracks to coach people and ride himself and all that. And he goes, I just want somebody to be there for when I'm not there. Yeah. So, like, for instance, when I get off the phone with you, I'm going to go mow a pasture because he's out of town. Right, right. Oh, so okay. yep. kind of have someone there to help watch him, you know, sure. watch it because of his work. He's kind of in and out. So so that's what we did. So uh, we have an outdoor track there, and I have a supercross track there. How big is the town you live in? How many people? 2,200 people. Oh, shit. Okay. Little. Yeah. Little. Really little. <laughs> and, uh, and, and it was like where the, are you born and raised? Like where are you Dallas from? area. Oh, okay. Um, so you moved out there. So yeah, I've always lived Dallas area or east a little bit. Uh I was born in Lancaster, which is just south of Dallas, and then I pretty much grew up around Plano area. Okay. So I lived right down the road, not far down the road from Grayson Goodman's old track. Oh that shit. McGrath and those yeah, guys used right. to go to. Yeah. That's pretty So like that's I never went legendary. out there. Right, right. Yeah, I never went out there like like how I got into racing was my dad rode, you know, and then once I got into it started he quit. Mm -hmm. But uh my first hero was Bradshaw. And uh like, you know, my first supercross was probably like nineteen ninety one Dallas Supercross. Yeah. Nice. And uh it was all about Bradshaw. So <laughs> and my dad actually went to the local Yamaha dealership, was Central Yamaha at the time, and uh he bought one of uh Grayson Goodman's like demo bikes or something. Okay. And I had him like I was like, "Do you got to make it look like Bradshaw's?" And he got like the Axo gear. Oh, sweet! And he got he the number and everything. So for me, he made his bike. He was he was a Bradshaw replica, number four or whatever. I mean, it was four, yeah, yeah. Oh, sweet! That's yeah. awesome. Um, so. did you did you go get autographs and stuff as a little kid at Dallas all the time? Did you get oh, photos, yeah. all that stuff? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. McGrath, that, that's, yeah. Everybody. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I was probably a mechanic at some of those. Uh, I started in '96, so. 
think that was my yeah. first year in Dallas, way back in the old stadium with the hole and then the mud and a couple of races yeah, in yeah. the mud and all that. So, yeah, it was. 95 was the Henry Mudder where yeah. he was doing the triple. Yeah. 97. 97, was yeah. was the Emig Mudder, the Emig one. Yeah, that was a big turning point in Supercar Series when Emig won in, in that yeah. year, 97, because Jeremy, I think, yeah, had a bad, bad night. He went down the first turn. Yeah, I can tell you, I'm like an encyclopedia Dallas Supercross. <laughs> that was awesome. like my what I lived for. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Did you go to um, uh, Houston ever and stuff, or no? Occasionally, not yeah, always. Okay, like right. I went to Dallas every year. Yeah, probably. I haven't missed one since 1991. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Right. And then uh, occasionally Houston, but sometimes my dad would go down to Houston with his buddies and leave like, me, the kid, at home. Mm-hmm. Because I remember one time I found out he went to the Houston Supercross without me, oh. and I was fucking pissed. <laughs> I, oh, I was pissed. I was like, how do you go without me? And he was just having, you know, like a adult, you know, an adult guy's yeah, weekend at Houston yeah. Supercross. <laughs> yeah, beat it. But I was we like got, we got, seven. We got hammered. Not... We got hammered in the stands and went to a strip yeah. club. Leave us alone. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and I was not <laughs> amped about that. <laughs> That's funny. Um have you done any racing overseas ever? Have you done anywhere anything like that? No. No. The only time I've ever been out of the United States is Toronto Supercross. Okay. All right. So yeah, that'd be something that you'd want to do down the road to make some money, right? Yeah. Yeah. It'd be fun. Uh, you know, all that stuff's like connections. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it is. You know, you got to get into that stuff, and if you're trying to go over there and do it all by yourself, it's yep. It'd be pretty penny to go do that you know way more expensive than racing outdoors <laughs> yeah for sure what uh this who do you find yourself around all the time in the races who's the guy that you're just like you're just like oh not him again like i'm thinking joan or, or one of like who's a guy where you're just like oh yeah here we are we find each other again man it's i don't really have a guy that i'm like i'm always battling with this one guy okay if if they're in the night show and they're in the LCQ, I've raced with them in <laughs> yeah, for sure. more than a couple times. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Whether it would be a Juwan or Bubba, or you know, who you know, whoever. Yeah, yep. You know, one one night it's you know it's like oh you're battling with Tapia, and the next night it's Greco. You know, you know, <laughs> always you know, it's like kind of you know the same guys that are you know naggy that are capable of yeah making the night show right. Yeah, Nag Dog making the main this year, very big moment. I know. So we were both at Atlanta or at Orlando. Yep. Neither one of us had mechanics, and we were parked next to each other. And he made the main because he bumped down the 250. And I was like, "Hey, dude, you need help? Like, I'll after my LCQ, I didn't make the main in the 40 yeah. class. So if you need help? No, man, I'm good. I'm just pumped to make the main. I'm like, all right, dude. <laughs> That's and awesome. And he went out, and I was packing up my stuff because my wife and daughter were they were there. Yep. But they went to Disney World. Because oh, yeah. we had a, uh, we had credit from COVID flights, yep, that we had to use. So I drove out there in my van, and they flew, and then I went with them to Disney World the next day. But uh, so I was just at the race by myself, packing my shit up. And Nagy came back. I was like, "How'd you do?" He's like, "I only got lapped once, and I got 15th. I was like, "Fucking hell, yeah, dude!" Yeah, that's awesome. Nah, he yeah he was uh, he was stoked. Right? That's that's really that was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, good, good to good to see for an egg dog. Uh, FXR Racing, Race Tech Suspension, Privateer Island Life with Scotty Winstrom. Uh, th- thanks to the folks. Winterstrom. Winterstrom. Hold on, Winterstrom. Winterstrom. All right. Yeah. Sorry. Swedish. You know, um, Swedish. Yeah. There's a hockey player named Winstrom, and I think that's where I'm getting it from. Kind of spelt uh, the maybe. same as yours. Kind of spelt the same as yours. Winterstrom. Uh, some of them are uh, W-I. Some oh. of them spell W-I. Mine's W-E. E, yep. Um, um, thanks to the folks in the mirror and Maxis and Firepower and of course Roost MX as well for for uh, helping us out with this pod. Um, all right, man. Well, hey, thanks for the time. I appreciate it. Um, good to talk to you. Good to get to know you a little bit. Uh, obviously, seeing you at all the races and um, man, let's get in the main. That'd be sweet. Let's do that. Yeah, for sure. That's the goal, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, like I said, I got a little some stuff jotted down on some stuff that I need to work on to. Try to make that a reality. Yep. I think we'll be back to normal races next year. So it'll be California swing and all of that. So, you know, now you got to find. I really liked having six in Texas. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Right. That saves, <laughs> that saves you some money for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks for the and time, I hope man. We yeah. don't go, we don't go back to the stadium in Atlanta. I, the speedway was awesome. That was cool. I know. I, I dude, I, I talked to the Feld guys a little bit and I think that it needed to be a bit shorter. A bit shorter, I think, but because um, you know, if you were in the stands and you guys were at the far yeah. one of the far ends, you really couldn't see anything. However, uh, just about everything else was great, you know. Yeah. So uh, I, I hope we do that again, and I think we will. I do because I think the 
The Mercedes-Benz Dome is, from what I hear, very expensive to rent, and we all know yeah, the security issues security we had there, right? It was terrible. a joke. Um, they need to be security, don't get us wrong, but not, not like they had in Atlanta. So, um, Thanks, man. Thanks for doing the podcast. I appreciate it. Good luck with everything. Um, if, you, if I can help you out with anything, let me know for sure. Can I uh, do some sponsors? Of course. Yes, absolutely. So, uh, so like, I listen to your show, like, sometimes traveling, if I'm driving to Atlanta or whatever. Okay. Or uh, I'm doing an easy road bike ride. I can't listen to it if I'm doing something too intense. Me neither. I need, like, some amped up music. I cannot, I, like, li- I cannot li- for yeah. when I'm, like, cruising. I cannot listen to a podcast mountain biking. Like, even if I'm cruising, I can't absorb it. I don't know why. <laughs> it has to be music when I'm out in Buckrod. Yeah. But you know how in the end of your show, how you uh, you have your co-host, like, name you name your show sponsors and you make your co-host yeah. tell them what you think? Yeah. I want to do that with you. Oh, boy. Okay. All right. So I'm people, ready. So yeah. people that listen to this go, oh, I don't want to listen to this dickweed Scotty sponsor. It's yep. the same fucking people. Arr. Right. Right. Well, um, sometimes <laughs> it goes horribly wrong on our show. Uh, uh, so hopefully this time isn't – hopefully this goes smoothly. Let's do this. Well, I have a lot of personal sponsors that are not – you know, it's not like race tech. So yeah. you're not going to know okay. who they are. Right. But when you go, I don't know who that is, I'm going to explain it, and that's how I'm going to get my sponsors across to people. Okay. Does that sound like a good idea? Yeah. Let's do this. All right, so my main guy, Ronnie Prado Company. Ronnie you know Prado. Is, right? Yeah. Jorge's dad? No, but I he's related somehow. Oh. It's like a third uncle, some <laughs> something like that. Okay. Uh, so, I'm going to yeah. guess he's excavation. Yes, so he maintains uh, toll roads in the Austin, Texas area. So he's Spanish by way of Mexico, and I think he came over and started cleaning the roads with like a toothbrush and they gave him a job and he worked his way up. So that's not really excavation. I was going to be no. very yeah, happy. Yeah, it with... is. He does. He does. He, he mows. And I think if they have drainage stuff, okay. So anything with the toll roads, he like dials them in. So he does like whether it's bulldozers or mowing, picking up trash, anything like that. So he like maintains the toll roads. Cause I think like stuff happens where it's like a tree falls down or something. Well, how, Hold on, you're 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 glossing over the main point where I just guessed excavation, and I'm sort of right. Yeah, you're see, I told you you're good at this. Yeah, all right. So, uh, then Jones Power Sports Kawasaki uh, dealership. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, super, he's the next racer himself, and I got a program going with him where if you buy a dirt bike from there, I'll give you a free ride lesson because nice. nobody has any sort of education to get on a dirt bike. They just here's your dirt bike, dude, go do it, and they crash, and then. Mom mm-hmm. gets scared, and they get out of the sport. Yep. Then I got proverbial contracting, which you can probably guess what they do. Yes, they're a contractor. Uh, met them. Met them. They came to one of my riding schools and wanted to support me, and they are in a position to. So super thankful to Chad and those guys for that. And then uh, did you ever see my helmets this year? I don't think so. So I had, like, the most badass painted helmets this year, LS2 helmets. Yep. And uh, – Gate drop designs did the paint on them, and uh, my helmet sponsor was under the magnolia. They're like a, they're, they do tattoos and stuff. Okay, and uh, they got a connection to motocross as uh, it's a husband wife duo, and um, they're out of Texas. And he actually got up to pro level, but he broke his back and broke his shoulder real bad. He actually raced Redbud, and he got landed on and broke his collarbone. So they were super cool on coming on, and they pretty much bought my helmet space for me. Nice. So. Super good, super, super cool, cool couple that uh, good friends of ours and, uh, you know, support the sport. So thankful for them. Uh, blood lubricants. Oh, uh, oil. Yeah. Bowers. Yeah. The bear. Yeah. The yeah. bear. Yeah. The bear. Kiefer. Yeah. Yeah. Kiefer too. Yep. Yep. Flow vision goggles. Uh, goggles. Yeah. Not X brand. Not a choice okay. of champions like X brand, but go ahead. <laughs> Super good. They support my schools as well as blood That's racing, good. my coaching with helping out riders with products. So uh super thankful for those guys. Uh Berm Lords. Oh, you know. Yeah, the Lord of the Berms. Yeah, dude, I talked to Shan that owns it and he listens to the show too and he loves it. He thinks it's awesome. <laughs> I mean it was yeah, I mean listen, he's just doing what Dark Side wants. So if Dark Side wants eight hundred oh, stickers sure. on the front fender, I guess Berm no, Lords they, has to do it. Yeah, no. They just I mean they make their customers happy because yes. that's what Jamie wanted. Exactly. You know what I mean? And yeah, have you looked at my bike? Uh, I'm sure I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it didn't jump out at you like Jamie's would, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, Hitch Hotel. Uh, hotels. No. Damn it's, it. Uh, he's working on getting it off the ground, and it's uh, 
it's like a little trailer oh, that like yeah. it's like a little Hitch. pop out Got it. it can pop out yeah a perfect for and a guy, guy like you that, you can sleep in it yeah exactly yeah dude me naggy like dialed in he uh he's actually the guy that blew up the liat brace he did the marketing for them back in like oh eight oh okay same guy so uh uh one two tree they are a uh tree excavation or a tree service okay. in uh, the dallas fort worth area whole family rides nice uh shock socks oh uh yeah well it's a shock it's a sock for your shock we we know this that's right that's actually for your forks damn it for fork seals well okay they also bake things to cover your shocks maybe they don't do it but it's also that way oh do they yes, yeah they, no, these they are, do make these things. are for your forks okay got it also the same same owner as burn lords oh okay so uh dedicated ride co uh, clothing. clothing, clothing. Yeah, uh, they helped out like Freddie Norn and mm-hmm. Dakotas, and uh, still they still do Bubba's team. Uh, Pirelli. Ah, uh, tires. Yeah, LS2 helmets. Helmets. Cheers. Cheers. Yep. Yeah, cheers. Uh, Clayson too. Yep. FXR. Um, Kiefer. Recluse. Clutch. Auto clutch. Yeah. Race tech. Ah, oh, pillows. Yeah, and ranting. It's like riding on pillows and ranting, yes. Yeah. Phoenix handlebars. Ah, uh, handlebars. Yep. Uh, also a super good guy. He, uh, I believe he was the hard parts guy for MSR over at Tucker Rocky before okay. he started Phoenix. All right. Oh, oh, this is a good one right here. Rhino power. Oh, charge life. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Did, I'm 100% the- with Rhino on the neck brace thing when I teach kids how to ride. Rhino's super passionate, and that's the reason why I like him. I wear knee braces, Mobius. We'll get to that in a second. But some of the stuff he says about knee braces, I do agree with. But I feel like the knee brace doesn't hinder me positioning like a neck brace does. So I wear the knee braces. But, but all that stuff's personal choice, man. I would counter, though. I would counter, know, have no. you tried the new neck braces? Because Rhino is probably going off generation one of the neck braces. Um. So I know Atlas has that new one that's like yeah, mim- that's brand new. Yep, yep. I think that would be the only one that fully would right. let you get in a position, but I know it's not designed to protect you like a regular neck brace would claim. Yep. So I think it's like a for me, I wore a neck brace when they first came out and I started like looking at pictures and videos of me riding and I wasn't getting always being able to get into the best position I could on the bike. So then I figured, well, that's gonna make me crash more. So the best way to not get hurt is crash less. Yep. I would counter that I, I, I look at a neck brace like a seatbelt. You can survive a car crash without a seatbelt uh, all day long, uh, but a seatbelt does help. Uh, you can survive any kind of crashes without a neck brace, uh, but yeah. a neck brace would help. And if you don't believe in them, perfectly fine to say that, I mean, Brayton wore one for a little bit, and he said, like, kind of in the bananas of rhythms, you know, the bananas of a of a, of a hammock, you know, of a, of a rhythm. Yep. Sometimes yep. he sometimes it would hit a little bit, right? And that he didn't like yeah. it, so he took it off. Um, and I would counter that Ryan Villapoto and Jason Anderson and, and Chase Sexton won Supercross titles with neck braces. But I, I would, as I told Rhino on the phone, you can't. You can have this opinion of a neck brace. No problem. We all have our opinions. Certainly, I do. I can understand that. But you cannot say, Rhino, that neck braces, you know, cause injuries. You can't say like you don't know that. Like if you don't like it because you're not comfortable with it, no problem. There's not enough data that there, shows. Probably, I would say either way. Either way. Uh, yeah. But so that, that think, was my I only think comeback. If you hit your, you right. Crash one way with a neck brace. If you crash a certain way it would benefit you. You'd be like, oh, this neck brace was better for this crash. But you can crash a different way, and it could be worse. I don't know if it could. Like, I, I did that pod with Chris Leott uh, maybe like two I, months I ago. I haven't listened to that. Take a listen to that. that. Let me know. Text me after you listen to it uh, and let me know because, look, uh, uh, Leott gives me some money for the Re-Raceables pod. Atlas guys give me money, you know, for, for the Pulp Show. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm hawking the product, but partly because I've seen some data and I believe in it, right? But Yeah. I, but, it's not going to save you in all instances, just like a seatbelt. No, no, yeah, it's not. And, and no, it's, for 100%. And, yeah. and it's not going to hurt you, you know what I mean, to put it on. So, to <coughs> me, that's where I'm at with those things. And I told Rhino that. I, I was just like, man, you don't know this. You, you, you shouldn't spout your – you have a following. And with the response, with the following like Rhino has, you have some responsibility. And go look into the data and then make your responsibility. And he, he doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to do it. And that's my whole point with him. 
It's like, dude, you can have your opinion that, that they don't work and you don't like them, but you cannot say they hurt people, which is what he does. And that's the that's where I'm a hard stop. Rhino, you don't know. That's all. So yeah. I know um, when I'm coaching some riders and uh, they're wearing a neck brace, I'm kind of like, this is why I don't wear one. Right. And and then I kind of tell the whether it's a parent or the rider, because I like to do a lot of video and show them what they look like off the bike or, you know, from the side because it feels different than what it looks like. Yep. Um, I'm just like, hey, okay, if you're going to leave the brace on, I might not, you might, especially those super restrictive ones. I'm like, you're not going to be able to always get into the position that I'm trying to teach yep. you because of the brace. And, and so I'm like, I'm not telling you to take it off. Yeah, yeah. But don't get upset at me if yeah. you're not riding a and, certain way. And also, like J-Mart. J-Mart cannot wear one. He just can't. His neck well, is too for short. Sh- for sure. I uh, think like a, like I think like Geyser has got a long neck. Yeah. Like yeah. it for him, it probably doesn't. He might not yeah, even yeah. notice it so much where a J-Mart would be like, dude, I can't. I'm locked up, dude. I can't yep. even see. So, I can't see past my fender. You know, <laughs> not even the Atlas guys. The Atlas guys tested with Jmar, and they're like, "Dude, it ain't gonna work. We, we, we don't care how much you know. This isn't gonna work. We're not. We're not, we don't want to sponsor you because of your body shape and your neck shape." And that's yeah. sort, that was the genesis of the new one. Um, but you know, so hey, to each his own. My only thing with Rhino is that, uh, you know, I, Scotty, I'd like to come out. I, this is what I told Rhino. I said, "How about if I just started talking that Rhino power?" gives me the shits and the shakes and he and he's just like i'm like because i have no real evidence but it does so every no one should buy rhino power and i have this massive audience right and people mm-hmm. would probably listen to me if i started yelling about rhino power giving me the shits right um yeah. and i just said rhino it doesn't though that shit's good i like it okay I but bought it but, for a year before no, i got sponsored by i don't use it i use arma but whatever but that's <laughs> my whole point is rhino hey I arma have, i have no data by a bunch of good guys too I have no data, Rhino, on Rhino Power. I have nothing, but I have an opinion that it gave me the shits one time. And let's say it really did. And I started yelling and screaming about this. And he didn't really say anything, but I'm like, that's my point. It's like, I can, I can ruin your company by just, an, you know, but without really thinking about it. And I said, that's where you're at with these companies, with neck, knee braces and neck braces, you know? Uh, and he, of course, he's, he saw nothing my way, Scotty. But uh, that, was my, that was my point where I was just like, Dude, I have responsibility. Like maybe Rhino Power did give me the shits, but I, I can't just run around on my on my platform and start yelling and screaming that, you know. So, anyways, all right, that's my that's my uh, discussion on that. Next one. So we got a race tech ran in. We're good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, back to my sponsor. Yep. No toil. Oh, dude, no toil. Uh, it's like a Pro Filter. Um, you have air filters that you don't need to clean. No, you still clean them. I oh, They're it. so good you don't want to throw them away. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Uh, DDC sprockets. Well, sprockets, yeah, duh. Yeah, they're the good ones that like you. They have like a two-year warranty or whatever. Uh, Mobius knee braces. I love my RV. Mobiuses. I, I will say RV Mobius. Okay. Yep, they're the most comfortable brace. So when you're riding, you're not thinking about your knee brace, or I don't anyway. But I know when I'm walking around in between practices at a Supercross. Yep, they're the most comfortable brace. Like I don't feel like oh I got to take these things off when right. I'm off the bike. Do you find like, they're hot at all? Their ratchet. Do you find them hot at all? No, but okay. I'm from Texas, so I'm used to the heat. Good point. Good point. Yep. <laughs> and then I have uh, Daily Rise coffee. Oh, coffee. It's great. I drink I drink four you cups You need to day. try it. You're a coffee guy, right? Uh, I am, yeah. I'll send you a code. Please do. They're out of Utah. I met okay. them when we were there a couple months or a month and a half ago. All right. Uh, I think Daniel Blair was going there and getting coffee, too. Because they were like, there's some guy over here, and they explained him. Things. They said he's on TV. I said, oh, I think that's Blair. I uh, got Lap King. Uh, t- lap timing. Yep. Uh, Patriot Mergers. Uh, very important merging of companies. Correct. That's very correct. Uh, Traction MX. They don't make tires. They don't make sprockets. Uh, no. uh, traction. What do you need traction on? Um, you need traction on dirt. No. Uh, the top of the motorcycle. I don't know. Seat covers. Oh, shit. Yeah. All yeah. right. That makes sense. My bad. All right. All right. Your, your brain's probably fried now. See what you do to all your co-hosts? <laughs> <laughs> so I got LDF Racing. That's my father-in-law. Like, I have my track at his house and stuff. Uh, Bowen Chiropractic. He was actually uh, Ben's chiropractor. chiropractor. Yep. 
Um, ben Spees? Traveled to, nice. Yeah, he traveled all the – yeah, Ben Spees is from about 40 minutes where I live. I'm not really a chiropractor fan, Scotty. I'll be honest. I, so, I, I've gotten it. I've had it done. I, I, I just – I'm not a fan of chiropractors. I don't know. So I've been to some yep. that I would agree with you on. Okay. So I they need don't to like, try them They don't ones. try to learn. It's just like coaching a person in a gym uh-huh. or whatever. Everybody's different. I've been to some that I've seen hurt people. Yeah. You know, they just go too much, too far. Right, right. right. He's super gentle. Uh, his wife helps him and stuff. They do like that cryotherapy and stuff mm-hmm. where you get in the freeze tank. And uh, he's super good. And I like that he's got a you know, a motorsport background. Sure. You know, yeah. his kid rides and stuff. And like right. I said, he traveled to all the, those GP races, those MotoGP races and stuff with Ben. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, AXP, they do my skid plates. I was going to say AXO, but okay. No, AXP. Yep. Uh, double, uh, double tough truck tarps. They make truck talks. They're a Texas company. Yeah. Talk, and, talk um, yep. And man, that's it. I think, I hope I didn't forget anybody. I wrote everybody down, but, we got off off of my order talking, but uh, that's all good. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Uh, that's that's all part of a privateer island life, and and they help you get to the races, and and that's that's awesome for those guys. So, but um, hopefully, when people listen to this, they don't go, "Oh, here's the sponsors," and they just turn it off. No, I think so, they like it. We I got like- some we got some rhino talk in there. So I'm just glad you're not going to ditch your braces. Kiefer did. Look what happened to him. Tore his MCL. Yeah, and I mean you can still get hurt in any brace. Yes, you so can. absolutely. I mean that's just what it, it's a thing for me where I feel like like some of the stuff Rhino talks about on the knee braces, I understand and I I agree with him kind of, but I don't think that on the knee brace thing for me when I'm riding, it's not making a huge difference for me. But like the neck when I ride at the neck brace and I take it off, I feel a big difference. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Um, well, cool, man. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate yeah, it. Good, thanks good, for having me. Yeah, good to talk to you a little bit. Uh, get to know you a little bit. Uh, good luck with everything. Uh, text me that code for that coffee. I'll be I'll be all over it. And then uh, well, also man. listen to the Chris Lee podcast. Let me know what you think because uh, I definitely yeah, yeah well got some people opening their eyes on that one a little bit too. He seems I like said, a good yeah, dude. I so I don't know Lee yet, but right. my guy, the Hitch Hotel guy, he he was like the marketing guy that like blew up neck braces. Ah, that's cool. So. Uh, uh, that's the closest I know. So I I know him, and then I know the guy who designed the first neck brace, the engineer from South Africa. So oh, awesome! That's as close as I get to, I guess, me really knowing Liat. But yeah, I'll, I'll give that podcast a look. Awesome. Or, uh, listen. listen, I'm not going to look at it. I'll listen to it. <laughs> yeah, please, please do. <laughs> Thanks, Scotty. Thanks for the time, man. Alrighty, man. Thank you. See you.